Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckler. If we examine why many students don't graduate high school, we find that failure to succeed at high school math is often at the core of the problem. Yet we're told almost every day that STEM and that math are the keys to the kingdom of success in the 21st century. The fact is that most jobs, even very good ones, don't require the geometry, the algebra, the trigonometry we learned in high school. What they do require is a high degree of numeric literacy, critical and quantitative thinking, and the ability to fully understand computation. But that's not what we're teaching. My guest, Andrew Hacker, took on this subject back in 2012 in a New York Times op-ed piece, and the controversy hasn't stopped. Now he's out with a new book entitled The Math Myth. Andrew Hacker is the author of 10 previous books. He teaches both political science and mathematics at Queens College, and it is my pleasure to welcome him here to the program to talk about The Math Myth. Andrew Hacker, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you. It's great, it's great to have you here. Talk about the origins of the curriculum that we have today, this idea that it has become so axiomatic that we teach algebra and trigonometry and geometry. It, it, it's almost we do it without thinking. We do it without thinking, and it's really relatively recent. Uh, we're told that this is going to be a high-tech century, and in many ways it will. But we're also told that all of us, without exception, have to armor ourselves with mathematical skills if we're to succeed, have a role in, this, in the century. And, Jeff, it's an absolute myth. It's just not true. It may sound plausible, but the fact remains that even now, fewer than 5% of jobs require mathematics like algebra. And if we look over the decade to come, it's not even going go to go up much more than to 5.1 percent. You know, usually when we fall into habits like this, it's because someone or some group had a vested interest in continuing the status quo. If we look around today, where is that interest in keeping the system that we have now? Well, of course, uh, there are mathematic teachers and professors who, and that's what they know what to teach, and therefore they want to continue to have their students, but there's something else going on, and that is if we look at the big high-tech companies, they need a veritable army of coders, people who write those trillions of lines that keep our world going in the software age, and what they want, really, for example, Bill Gates and Microsoft have proposed that coding be made a subject in every single high school in the country, and every student have to take it. Why do they want that? I'll tell you. They want a lot of cheap labor. And talk a little bit about other jobs today and, and how little of this knowledge, how little of you know quadratic equations come into use in most even high-quality jobs today. Certainly. When I wrote my first article, I got letters from... Uh, doctors, lawyers, even engineers, saying, you're quite right about the myth. I don't use math at all in my job. And yet, Harvard Medical School requires calculus in order that you enter their medical program, train for a doctor. Doctors never use calculus. This is just a hoop they set up for people to jump through so that they can you know, reject more students. And I would cer certainly say that 
quantitative skills, as you mentioned, are absolutely necessary. But this is really not much more than plain vanilla arithmetic, but used in serious and demanding ways. Is there something in the learning of these skills, in in these mathematical skills that we've all experienced in high school, is there something inherent in them that helps us in the learning process, that in some way teaches us how to be better learners and to be more critical in our thinking? You know, this I would call, oh, say, myth number four. <laughs> the idea, The idea is that the... Uh, Hey, let's, let's agree that math is difficult, and let's agree that you have to think and reason and use logic when you're doing geometry and algebra. That's absolutely true, but that logic only applies to algebra. It doesn't help you in other things. I did a small study at my own college. I got the math entry grades of the students in the incoming freshman class, and, you know, the SAT goes from 200 up to 800. Then I took those students who took an introductory history course, you know, history, which requires analysis, reasoning, and so on. And I looked at their grades at the end of the semester in the history course. What do you think? Do you think that the math kids did better at history because they had the math skills? No. No. Zero correlation. No correlation at all. What, in your view, should we be teaching in terms of mathematics in high school, for example? Okay. First of all, I am a great admirer of mathematics. I think it's one of humanity's greatest achievements. Uh, you know, if we're talking about Isaac Newton, Ryman, Hilbert, you know, the, these have been really the great intellects of our time. One of the problems, though, is that so much of mathematics is so far ahead and above of what any layperson can comprehend. I would say the job in our high schools and colleges is for math teachers to make their subject as interesting as possible so that word will get around, hey, math is a good course to take. I'll give you an analogy. At my college, we have a department of anthropology. The chairman said to me, you know, anthro isn't taught in high schools. Kids don't know what it is. But he said, we have an intro course. Some students show up, perhaps for scheduling purposes. We make that school, that course, as exciting, interesting as possible without dubbing down. And that way we get students to take more anthropology courses. You don't have that in mathematics. I have yet to see mathematics departments that really try to recruit students. Of course, one of the other aspects of this is not only what we're teaching in the high schools, but the degree to which it is, and and you alluded to this a little while ago, so much a part of the college admission process, that it is part of the SATs, part of the whole process of of qualifying for college admission. Uh, Absolutely. And here... It's mathematics in tandem with those infamous and sadistic standardized tests. When it comes to mathematics on the test, you are given on ACT, which is one of the big tests, 60 seconds for each intricate second-year algebra problem. The SAT, the new SAT, gives you, they're a little more generous, they, they give you 83 seconds per question. This really militates against students who really want to sit and think about 
the, the question. See, you know, what are the implications? Could there be two answers rather than one? And as a result, girls and women in particular are discriminated against, really suffer because of the SAT and ACT. And as a result, they get fewer of the National Merit Scholarships. You know, most of the National Merit Scholarships go to guys. Why? Because they speed ahead on the SAT test. And when it comes to the Ivy League colleges, selective ones like Yale or Stanford, again, fewer women get in because those colleges want at least 700 on the SAT, and it's mainly guys who get 700. Is there a way to test for and to quantify the kind of quantitative reasoning skills that you're talking about that should really be a part of what we're teaching regarding mathematics? I thought I'd give it a try, you know, and somebody said to me, hey, you're talking the talk, how about walking the walk? So I went to my math department my college, I'm on good terms with them, and I asked, could I teach one of your intro math sections, but the way I want to do it? And they said, sure. So I set up a section, I took a random sample, I got a random sample of students, a real cross-section, and my section required no algebra, no trig, no geometry, simply ordinary, I'd called adult arithmetic. And we went through all sorts of assignments. For example, we took the number of votes cast in a state and then looked at the number of congressional uh, seats that were won by each party. The Republicans, for example, had less than half the votes in Pennsylvania, but they got almost two-thirds of the seats. How did that happen? Well, we put the numbers to work. And we've done that with lots of other assignments. And at the end, some of the students said to me, you know, Mr. Hacker, your class was even more demanding than the calculus I took in high school. Where are you finding, going back to your original op-ed piece, where are you finding the greatest pushback to these ideas? Oh, my, Jeff. Now I have to watch my words carefully. (laughs) Out there are about are a number of people who are now adults who did well in math in high school. They love math. They got high SAT scores. I would say they're about 7 or 8% of the population. Most of them are not uh, math teachers, but math is their thing. And they uh, go to math websites and all the rest. And as soon as my first my original article came out, and now my book is coming out, they have really gone to the barricades. And it's as if, if I could shift the metaphor, they belong to the one true math church, and they want everyone else to have to worship that church. So they want everyone else to take a full sequence of math, even if their students are interested in modern dance or literary criticism. To what extent has the the obsession of late with STEM fed into these issues that we're talking about? It has fed in fantastically. Everybody, up until including our president, says that we have to really, in effect, revise uh, education at all levels for a STEM emphasis. And we now know in schools, you know, they're dropping music, art, even recess, because they want the kids to hunker down to mathematics. In the Common Core, which is going to come up very soon when mm-hmm. it comes for high school students to take it, they're going to require 4 million 10th graders, 
that's all the 10th graders in the country, 4 million of them, to d take the common, take and pass tests in second year algebra. The fallout is going to be really fantastic. Now, just to get back to the, your question as you first put it, we look at the Chinese, the Koreans, they're really good at math because that's about all they do. And we say, gee, if we have to compete with them in a STEM century, we better get up to par with math the way they are. Well, in fact, what will really save us in the international competition is more imaginative enterprises like Starbucks, um, McDonald's, uh, action movies, video games. You know, the way Apple designs its, uh, you know, its equipment, that's what makes the sales. Is the current obsession with STEM, and, and you've been around a while, you've seen a lot of things come and go in education, is it your sense that this is simply a fad right now? It's a fad the way, do you, do you remember the new math? Mm-hmm. People used to have Venn diagrams and... Uh, that sort of thing. Uh, we had the new math at the time the Russians put the Sputnik up, and uh, we felt now, as we do about the Chinese and the Koreans, we're falling behind. Uh, uh, the Russians are adversary at that point. So the math professors, I call them the mandarins, weighed in and said, we have to change the way we teach math all the way down to kindergarten. And what we have to do is emphasize math theory, because that's what the professors up on the top research universities do. Well, as you know, as we all know, the math, uh, the new math, was a total failure. Teachers didn't know how to teach it, uh, students couldn't grasp it, and parents didn't even know how to help their kids. The same thing is happening now when we require advanced algebra, trigonometry, even calculus of everybody. It's a tremendous waste. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. And, of course, as you talk about, one of the things that drives students away from school, away from an appreciation of education, is the, the drudgery of math in many cases. This, Jeff, is a real tragedy. It's, it's, it's not just a joke like shooting ourselves in the foot. One out of five American young people does not graduate from high school just Walk down the street, one out of five persons there doesn't have a high school diploma. And the chief reason they don't, the chief academic reason they don't, is they failed algebra. We've got school systems where 60% of the kids fail algebra. As a result, they don't graduate. They drop out. Then we take the kids, students, who finish high school and go to college. 45% of those who enter colleges don't finish, don't get a degree. Again, the chief reason is that colleges have required math course at the very beginning, and that's kids fail it, and they don't get the degree. Now, we have all sorts of talented young people, everything from fashion design, sports management, sports writing, who'd love to get on with their careers, they can't because they can't finish high school or college because of this math barrier. Are you seeing this being addressed at this point in some colleges and charter schools and alternative schools? Is there any kind of a movement at all to begin to look at this from, from your research and your observations? The most heartening movement I've had, Jeff, are those colleges which have said to their students, you do not have to take the standard test. 
will consider your application without ACT or the SAT. And there are some very good liberal arts colleges that are doing this. And uh, I'm very pleased, and indeed, at Bates, Bowdoin, where they have done this, they've looked at the students who came in without the SAT, and they've just they do just as well as the students who took the standardized tests. But our really top schools, you know, the top prestige schools, I should say, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, Amherst, Williams, uh, Duke, you know, they all require the SAT and particularly the math SAT. And that's what indicated um, keeps a lot of arts-type students out, humanities students out, and women out, yes. Um, I, as far as the high schools are concerned, I don't see much progress there because they're so you know, insistent on getting good scores for their kids, getting them into college. They'll do whatever the colleges tell them to. I know you talked about what, what you've done at your college, is there an, an effort, or how are you engaged in an effort, to really create this kind of alternative math curriculum, this quantitative reasoning, all, all of the various things we've been talking about, to develop it as a curriculum that can literally be dropped in to schools today? Yes, my uh, numeracy 101 uh, is, as far as I know, fairly unique. There are a couple of professors uh, who are interested in this. Uh, one of them is at the University of Arkansas. Another of them is at Wurttemberg College. Uh, they're scattered throughout. But it's an uphill fight for all of us here because the math mandarins, in effect, you know, uh, by the way, uh, there's something about mathematicians. They're almost as if they're sorcerers. They know things the rest of us don't know. So we fear them, we revere them, and if they say calculus is necessary, a lot of people just bow down and say, all right, tell us what to do. And I wish we could get over that because uh, there's no real uh, rationale behind this math sequence for everybody. I mean, none at all. And uh, it has a lot of fallout. Part of the problem also, and, and Sal Khan has talked about this, this idea that the kind of math we are teaching today in, in K through 12 going up to calculus and geometry and algebra and all the things we're talking about, that it builds on itself in ways that if you miss any single part of it, it's all over for you. You just are never, ever going to catch up. Uh, this, I'm told by mathematicians, this is the way it is. You have to do algebra and geometry in order to do calculus. You can't jump from one to the other. Uh, that may be true in studying history, too, for all I know, that um, uh, you have to have a certain grounding before you can begin comparing the 12th with the 14th century uh, in that, I would say. But one, the one thing we are not teaching is what I would call either adult arithmetic, I think I've used mm-hmm. that phrase, or sometimes I call it citizen statistics. In other words, we do a pretty good job, I think, at least I hope we are, in teaching arithmetic in grades one through six. Then we push kids immediately, as we've been talking about, into geometry, algebra, and above. In between, we might take really time to hone, to sharpen those arithmetic skills so that students understand percentages, ratios, 
rates, and that sort of thing, where they can look at a federal budget or a corporate uh, annual report and look at the numbers, see what they mean. You know, we're not studying and teaching real arithmetic. It's almost as if that's dumbing down and demeaning. In fact, it's not at all. Does math need to be more incorporated with the other skills that we're teaching? This is essential, whether it's economics or whether it's history, whether it's business, that, that really math needs to be incorporated and taught in conjunction with other skills. The answer to that, Jeff, is yes. Yes, we certainly need more quantitative uh, uh, skills quantitative analysis, quantitative reasoning, and that would certainly be true in the social sciences and many of the vocational fields like we know this with engineering, health, and so on. But I'd watch out for the mathematicians who say we should use mathematical models because they are highly abstract. They're not, many of them are not quantitative. They're just filled with symbols. And mathematical models have brought us everything from, uh, oh, the financial meltdown in uh, Wall Street, you know, 2007-2008. Much of what we uh, you know, experienced there was the product of mathematical models which predicted what would happen with some prime, subprime securities. It didn't at all. And I'm not totally unsure that our going into Iraq uh, back in uh, the early part of the century going into Iraq and wasn't based in some degree on mathematical models being churned out in the basement of the Pentagon. Isn't the, the central problem here is that this requires something other than a one-size-fits-all approach in education, and it's very hard to make that work? It is certainly the case, and uh, take the common core. Every single student will have to take the Common Core exams, including the advanced math on it. Now, many people say, well, that's, that's good, because in the past we would put some students down into vocational programs, and they'd never have a chance to get good jobs. They'd be wearing blue collars all their lives. Well, uh, I'm not going to get into the argument about vocational programs, but I would certainly say that the alternative is not to make everybody do advanced algebra in order to get a high school diploma. That's, uh, I can't see anything more irrational than that. Andrew Hacker, his new book is The Math Myth. Andrew, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Well, Jeff, I really enjoyed it, and if I may say, you asked all the right questions. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. We'll take a break. I'll be right back. <laughs> 